This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Rachel Norton and Dr. Kelly Bonwell. Rachel, hi. Hey, Kelly. Yeah. So one of my favorite things about our podcast is that we get to interview couples and uh, we get to learn about their story. We get to learn uh, about things that they've learned through their journey, the ups, the downs, specific issues. Is there anything in particular you like about when we interview couples? You know, sitting down with so many couples, there are just always lessons to draw that I didn't even know I needed to take in. It's just been a, a, a fresh investment in, in my marriage just hearing from other couples. And so these are some of my favorite. Yeah, mine too, definitely. And today we're doing a really special one with Austin and Katie Moore. Austin is on staff at Ada and Katie used to be on staff. And uh, so Austin, Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. Good to be Excited here. to be here. Yeah. 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 So we're going to ease into this and then we're going to get into your marriage story. Um, uh, like, who are you as a couple? Like, how long you been married? And what do you guys like to do as a couple? Yeah, so we've been married for about five years uh, this November. And for fun, I mean, recently we've been trying to take advantage of being surrounded by water, beautiful water in Michigan. <laughs> and so beautiful. Yeah, and we've got paddle boards. So we've been trying to fill all of our spare time with that. Um, we have a dog that we're obsessed with that we... <laughs> Love taking for walks and being mm-hmm. outside with and um, really just anything we can do together um, that we can um, take our dog to do with us and that's outside, we'll say yes to. So, um, but then we also love just going for coffee, finding new restaurants we love. Um, there's lots to explore mm-hmm. in Grand Rapids, which we're grateful oh, for. Oh, definitely. So yeah. I love dogs. Yes. I've had two yes. dogs. Oh, so tell me about your dog name and breed. Yeah. So we have a... Great Pyrenees named Luna. And she. How much? How, okay, Luna. So her name's mm-hmm. Luna. Yep. How, how big is Luna? She. What is 86 she? 86 pounds. Okay, yeah, 86 okay. pounds. And so, yeah. Pure fluff. <laughs> so she, she seems large, but the crazy thing is for that breed, I mean, she's actually pretty small for that breed. I know. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say like 140. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She's kind of petite. Right. So she, uh-huh. uh, she's always referred to as a, pe- mm-hmm. a petite great Pyrenees. So, um, but she's the best. She's just a gentle giant and, (laughs) and very social, very lovable. And so, yeah, she's, she's been a great addition to our family. So yeah, we we love her. So that's Mm -hmm. awesome. I have a friend who has one. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so let's talk about how this all began. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, as we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, there was a little long distance uh, meeting, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't you guys share that story? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll start, I suppose. Um, so yeah, January 2017. Well, I guess I should provide some context before that. Um, so we both interned for the same organization uh, based out of Joplin, Missouri. So organization called Christ in Youth. And uh, Katie interned there in 2011. And then I interned there two years later in 2013. And so we didn't intern together, but we, I mean, that was kind of the start of it because we were 
just crossing paths with a lot of the same people. Right. And, and so that was the start of it. Now fast forward, um, a few years. So 2014, I joined staff at CIY and, uh, got plugged in there permanently. Joplin became my, my home at that point. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just started building all of these really great relationships with, um, with people that Katie had also gotten to know over the years. And, but at this point you don't know her, but we don't know each other yet. And okay. but it was probably like, you two should get to know one another or uh, not really. No. So we, yeah, yeah. So initially we met on Instagram, Yeah, but it wasn't like strangers. Like it wasn't like total strangers. It was like, I had noticed him on, in a friend's picture, a mutual friend with other people I knew around him. And so I was like, wait a second, he's like in a circle I know, but I don't know him and was just kind of drawn to him in a way. Like obviously thought he was really cute, but like <laughs> was drawn in other ways, you know, did that. I was like, this is weird. I don't know him. Um, and then I reached out and asked about him, just like try to be casual and cool. Like, Hey friend, uh, who's this guy <laughs> in your picture? Um, and then, yeah, was told he was talking to somebody else. So I just, put it on the back burner for like a year. Um, and he was still there a year later and I just got my courage up thanks to my sister-in-law and sent him a DM on Instagram. And well, and little, I mean, little did Katie know at the time that I was kind of doing the same thing on my end of things <laughs> with Katie, with Katie. And so oh, I boy, actually, I yeah, <laughs> I remember. So I was actually having a dinner with my boss and his wife one night at, at their house. And they always had on their TV, they always had their photo album just kind of scrolling on loop. And so I remember just sitting there having dinner and seeing a couple pictures that they had with, with Katie uh, from her time spent with CIY. And I finally worked up the courage in a very similar way uh, to ask them like, Hey, who, like, just out of curiosity, who is that? And, and that's when they said, Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's our friend, Katie. And she used to intern with CIY and, and she lives up in Michigan and, and she's, she's just so great. And, and so that was kind of the start of, of some interest from my end too. So now Kelly, uh, we've heard a lot of stories. This is new territory. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> really is. This like, is our first day right. you met on Instagram. Totally. Yep. And you're in different States, but you're just kind of seeing them in your friend mix, just wondering yeah. uh, about what it might be like to get to know that person better. Amazing. And then yeah. where did it go from there? So we talked for, we just like DM'd for maybe three or four days, like constant. I mean, there's a limit to like characters on <laughs> in your messages. And we were meeting that like tenfold. So Austin was like, um, in a very respectful way, was like, is it cool if I like get your number and we text and FaceTime and stuff like that? So it kind of progressed from there. And, um, I remember I was at snow camp when I heard his voice for the first time on a <laughs> Snapchat or something like that. Some mm -hmm. random, it was all digital up until February. So I had plans to go to Missouri to see our friends in March for my birthday. And he was like, March is too far away. Oh, can I come up yeah. sooner? Which I'm buying a plane ticket. We were FaceTiming. Right now, I just yeah. remember like ducking away for a second to be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. All the early butterfly feelings that you mm -hmm. get. But yeah, it was awesome. So he came up in February and yeah. So just a few weeks later. Yeah. And it, of, of course, as you would expect, it was, I mean, we had gotten so comfortable just in, in FaceTiming and, 
it, it seemed like just in that couple months, mm-hmm. uh, we were so close and we're just having such great conversations, but this felt um, so easy. Yeah. It felt mm-hmm. so easy. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect way to put it. Um, but we had never spent time together in person. And so even, even when I shared with her, like, yeah, I bought a plane ticket, you know, I'll, I'll come up in, in February and we'll like, we'll spend the weekend, you know, and, and, uh, it just kind of hits you in that moment. Like, oh man, this is, this is just going to be different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you just don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of that, that moment where you are, are just thinking through, okay, is this, is this going to be something that doesn't pan out? Or is this going to be yeah, the start of something? Yeah. Is this just going to be a life changing weekend where we, you know, I meet my future spouse potentially. And, uh, but you're also thinking, having met online, you're thinking, gosh, how, how tall is she going to be in person? Oh you know, like what's, <laughs> wow. what's, what are their mannerisms? Yeah, what are their mannerisms? How do they eat food? Exactly. I mean, you just think of all these things. Yeah. Well, how did that go then? <laughs> So I, I remember. I guess it went okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> you can was, say it went well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, better than, than anticipated. So I, I actually remember walking uh, through the Detroit airport when I landed. And Katie and I were texting, trying to figure out logistics and, and where to go. And again, all of these same thoughts racing through my mind. But uh, I remember coming down into the baggage area. And it's funny, I didn't even make eye contact with, with Katie, but... Um, I was looking the other way. You were looking the other way. I still knew who you were though. And, and I just remember saying your name and, and you turned around and looked at me and, and like hugging for the first time. Like it was just, it was a wild experience. Yeah. yeah. Just listening to the story is like, I, I'm feeling the level of nervousness. Yeah. You know, I can't, it's there. Exactly. I know. Like we've entered the scene. Uh, So obviously you got to meet in person and get to know one another better as your relationship progressed. Mm -hmm. What did you appreciate early on about the other person that drew you to them and got you wondering if actually maybe we're going to build a life together? How about you, Austin? Mm. Start us out. Yeah, I guess the first thing I would say with that, which is probably a very cheesy answer, is um, I just felt a level of comfort with Katie. And it's it's that saying that, you know, it feels like we've known each other forever. Mm-hmm. It's so cliche, so cheesy, but it really did feel like that, mm-hmm. genuinely. And so that that was just something that stood out to me. And I think the other thing is, so something about me is I'm not a very emotive person. Uh, I don't, I'm not emotional. I don't process emotions well. And something that was just really beautiful to me is Katie was just so quickly able to bring that out of me. Mm. And, and so that's, there was just this Holy Spirit unction in me uh, that couldn't help but think, man, this is different. Do you remember a moment or do you remember a moment where that happened with you early on? Yeah, I think, I think generally speaking, I'm trying to think of a specific moment, but I think I was able to talk about just some of the things that have happened in my life and some of the relationships, some of the ups and the downs in, in a way that I had never been able to talk about them before. And, and that was just so new to me. And uh, so even, even just being able to process that and, and really going back to our first weekend together in D- Detroit, um, yeah, we, we were just having coffee nonstop and it was like one coffee shop conversation led to, 
you know, conversation over dinner. And then, uh, the next morning it was, it was conversations with their family. And so, and so it just felt like we were able to really be authentic and vulnerable with one another so quickly. And, and she was just drawing so many of those, of those details out of me. And it just led to some really beautiful moments and some really great conversations. And, and yeah, still trying to think of a specific moment. No, but, no, but the, Austin, that, the, that was really cool and beautiful what you shared because that's like a cornerstone of having a relationship with somebody is them being able to draw you out and you going to places where you haven't maybe been able to go with another person before. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Katie, what's your perspective on that time? Oh man. Um, I mean, I could easily say very similar things. Um, which is funny because I think uh, we are very opposite in how we <laughs> process emotions and um, just even our thoughts and all these things, which is a, a beautiful thing in a lot of ways. So I think for me, um, it was that I felt so safe with him so fast and just in previous experiences had not had that in, in a significant other or someone I was, I was interested in. And I think to have someone that I felt like I could truly trust, not just not just trust, you know, that they're being honest or being who they say they are, but that I could trust like with my heart and with really all of me eventually um, was such a gift and something that was hard to put into words at first, but he's always just been like the safest place and so steady and grounding for me, which I need that. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and just very gentle with my heart. Where did it go from there? So uh, you meet the family. That must have been mm-hmm. a little bit intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then what happened then? Yeah. So our first weekend together, I mean, it was it was a really fast, a really short weekend. And mm-hmm. so um, I flew in Friday, left Sunday morning, and obviously continued to to FaceTime and and. Well, we started uh, dating. Connect. And yeah, officially. I, yeah. So I guess an important detail, we did start yeah. dating officially. <laughs> and yeah, from there it was it was just so fast. So I think it was March when we met in Illinois and, and you met my family. Yeah. So his job was um I mean, one, his job, he traveled a lot. And so I would try to meet him when he was like in mm-hmm. Ohio or Indiana. So I would go and get an Airbnb near the school they were at, you know, in, in the campus they were at. Um but yeah, then I met your fam- your family in March mm-hmm. in Illinois. Where are you from, yeah. Austin? So I'm originally from just outside of Springfield, Illinois. Oh, okay. Yep. I'm yep. from Kankakee. Oh, no way. Yeah. I didn't know I that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Fun <laughs> fact. Well, Kelly, we're hearing about how you guys really went out of your way to spend time actually together in person. And you've talked about how yeah. that can be, a, I mean, that's a really important thing before you marry. Absolutely. Yeah. Find out, is that person the real deal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it it was a gift, I'll say, just to enter into his world, you know, because I would go to these conferences and get to meet people who have known him for years. And it was just so cool, such a gift to me to hear like their perspective of him and who he is. And everyone just, I mean, can say enough good about Austin. And I was like, man, is this real? Like, is, <laughs> is this guy real? But mm-hmm. well, yes. <laughs> and I love that it was you went her way and yeah. you went his way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, you both investing in this and kind of being all in, yeah, in that mm-hmm. regard, definitely. And it it did feel like we we just both kind of jumped in, uh, going yeah. at the same pace. It felt like, but um, but with such confidence, mm-hmm. 
and so, yeah, you met my family in March and then, uh, we went, went our separate ways and then, yeah, eventually had some, some pretty big conversations about you moving to Joplin, which mm-hmm. is where I was at the time. Mm-hmm. And so May, uh, only a few months later, you moved to Missouri mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. to be in Missouri with me. And, um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, that was huge for mm-hmm. our relationship, actually not just having these one-off uh, just weekends, being able to see each other just for a short amount of time, but actually being in the day-to-day with one another, that was, that was a huge step yeah. for us. But I think by that point, we both knew that, I, I knew mm-hmm. beyond a shadow of a doubt that Katie was my wife at that point. And so really it seemed like from there, we were just trying to, we were just trying to figure out a way to, like when? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like what? What are our next How steps? How fast can you plan a wedding? Not about yes. if we would marry, but when? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I think yeah. that goes back to the confidence that we both, and, and we've talked about this. Just like we both felt so sure, and you, again, you hear that, and I don't think that's everyone's story, but for us, it was that we just knew. Like there was just when we met, we just knew that there was something special about this person, and as we continued to get to know them and continue to kind of unpack that. We got to see like, Oh, what's special about you is that you're going to be my spouse. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's <laughs> yeah. get to, let's get to, uh, so I know that faith was very important to you and that had to be the underpinning because mm-hmm. you Absolutely. don't marry. Well, some people marry others cause they're cute, but that's <laughs> not, that's true, not, that's true. not the basis <laughs> of a marriage Absolutely, because right. yeah. they might not be cute 10 years from now. Yep. Um, but faith obviously was important. Like mm-hmm. what, talk a little bit about that. And and then that can then push you to say, okay, now I can make that type of commitment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that was one thing that was just really beautiful to me from the start. So I didn't mention this earlier, but in every conversation that we were having, I could just, it was so obvious to me that Katie was just in love with Jesus and pursuing him in so many different avenues of life. And, and we were, we were sharing those stories. Right. And, and so Katie was, I think even the first weekend that we began talking on social media, you were at snow camp. Serving. Yes. Investing in the next generation. Yeah. yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so many of our conversations, that was, that was a common thread. Right. And, and so I could see that I could, um, your heart was just so, uh, expressive in those things. And so I, I, I knew that, uh, you were in love with Jesus and in pursuing him in just so many facets of life. And, and two, it was, it was really just crazy for me when I got to meet her family because your family is the same way. And so that was just, that was just such a God moment in, in seeing that. Um, yeah, I yeah. think in the, those beginning days, I mean, we would spend like five hours on FaceTime before we went to bed kind of thing. Like we yeah. would just get home, talk, you know, for hours and, and he was serving at his church. I mean, he was leading worship for their youth group and he was, um, you know, a part of their weekend worship and, and production and all these things. And so it was cool, I think, to hear our hearts, even for ministry, like how mm-hmm. we would talk about our dreams and our desires and how we want to serve the kingdom and how we want to grow the kingdom. And, and just to see how the Lord like aligned those, like it was, as you said, Kel, like it was a foundation. I think that mm-hmm. our friendship could build upon because we talked so much. I mean, we talked about how we interpreted the Bible. We talked about our college experience mm-hmm. and what grew our faith there. 
growing up, going to Sunday school. I mean, everything under the sun, I feel like we talked about and it all like just gravitated around the Lord and, and his involvement in our lives and, and how important he is to us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you were crazy. Yeah. You got married in <laughs> nine months after you met. Yes. Tell me yeah. about that part of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So met in January. We were married in November. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, that in and of itself is a very fast progression of events. But, a little bit. but yeah, it, it actually... Our first year of marriage was was pretty difficult, I would say. And I think our engagement too. So our engagement was short, kind of yeah. for a reason, because um, being in Joplin, like I didn't have, we didn't have family. Um, we knew a lot of people, but there was an event that happened that kind of broke our community up a bit. And so we really didn't have, it was kind of one of those times where you kind of just want to lean in on each other. And we originally, I talked about like, well, let's get married in the spring. An outdoor wedding sounded so dreamy, right? And um, then we were like, you know what? We talked to a lot of people that we trust. Uh, you know, we talked to both of our parents and we were like, what do you guys think about, we got ma- um, engaged in August during an eclipse, which was cool. <laughs> um, and then we were like, how do you feel about November? And once we kind of had some people in our lives that we trusted say like, yeah, we think that's a great idea. Then we we're like, all right, sweet. And yeah, then our first year, sorry, just to give some context to that first year. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. And so you, you kind of hit on this, but there was, there was an event that happened within our our community at the time that really, really just kind of upended our community, upended Mm -hmm. our like several relationships, Mm -hmm. upended our day to day. And, and for us, it just, it changed so much. I mean, it changed our outlook on how long we wanted to be in Joplin. It changed, Mm -hmm. uh, just our dynamic in, in seeing a different side of one another, just the, the emotional toll mm-hmm. that was being taken in that season. And, and, and so, yeah, even though we had just gotten to know each other so well in, in nine months, uh, marriage obviously changes things, mm-hmm. but then also the being in the valleys like that and, and walking through a difficult season, not, not just solo, but, but with your partner um, that a brand new partner. <laughs> yes. Like someone who I had not been married to for long. And, and when you step into a season like that right away, it, it just definitely drew us closer. Yeah. It, like it, out of necessity almost. Yeah. When I think that, that that's a good word. It felt like we had to, you yeah. know, and, and I think for some people it takes a long time to get to that point mm-hmm. where you're having difficult conversations or walking through difficult seasons together. But, but yeah, for us, that was something that, uh, yeah, happened right after we got married, but it it so quickly changed, changed things and forced us to really have some important conversations and lean into each other to, to process sadness and, and, um, because again, we process those things very differently. Yeah. So, yeah. So early on in your marriage, you know, we talk a lot of Ada Bible about in our journeys with Jesus, we get trust opportunities. And so you got a pretty big one, Mm -hmm. you know, processing disappointment and discouragement and doing that together and almost getting some practice in that, Mm -hmm. you know, because it it wasn't too long. You were married for about a year when was that when you thought, you know what, Um, let's talk about having a family Mm -hmm. and having kids. So invite us into that part of your journey because by then 
you had worked through this hard time. You were back living in Michigan. Yeah. Yes. So we, so we were in Missouri for about a year mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, incredible opportunity came up to, for me to join the staff at Ada. And so that was just, that was a blessing when that opportunity came up because mm-hmm. uh, for us, we knew it would get us closer to family and it, it was somewhere we could see establishing roots. And so, yeah, about a, about a year after we were married, moved to Michigan and, and kind of segueing into the fertility conversation. I think once we moved to Michigan, we knew with confidence that that's, that's where we wanted, this is where we wanted to start a family. And, and so that's when we started having those conversations and um, yeah, we, we kind of, yeah, we started trying and, and a year went by and yeah, speaking from the, the, like professional medical sense. Uh, I'm, I'm not a medical professional, but, um, (laughs) but most medical experts would, would recommend, you know, if you're, if you try for a year and you don't succeed, um, like that's a good time to just start having conversations with medical professionals and, and seeking help. And, and, and so here we are kind of beginning this journey with infertility. And I think when the one year marker initially hit, and uh, feel free to chime in, Katie, if I uh, misspeak on any of this. But I think when the one-year marker initially hit, there was this reluctance to acknowledge that anything's wrong, that we need to like make some kind of drastic decision to to really seek help. And and so we we didn't seek out help immediately. But I think months months went by, and we were still having the same conversations and struggling with the same things. And so that's kind of when we, we decided, you know, this, we need to start having some conversations with um, medical experts and really it's a, jump into this. It's a tricky thing. Cause it's month to month. Right. So you're just like, you just kind of convince yourself maybe next month, like let's not, let's not go the route of asking a doctor, you know, to intervene. Let's just next month, next month. And you just pray and hope. And then it just kind of gets, you're like, Oh my gosh, six months, seven months have passed and yeah, we haven't made any changes. So maybe, yeah. So a year and a half into trying to grow our family and then two and a half years into our marriage, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, and Katie, you know, you, I'm, I'm wondering about young Katie, you know, and you thought maybe one day I'll meet, you know, a man that God has in mind for me to mm-hmm. share my life with and I'll be married. Yeah. And maybe when you were young too, you thought one day I'll be a mom. Mm-hmm. You know, so then you're on this journey and you're trying, you're, you're thinking it's going to happen maybe that next month, maybe that, you know, that next month. Mm -hmm. And then you find yourself on a journey you didn't sign up for. Yeah. You know, going to infertility doctors. Tell us about what that was like for you. Um, You said, you know, you do have a lot of emotions. (laughs) Tell us, (laughs) tell us what that was like for you emotionally um, as you started that journey. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd always wanted to be married and to be a mom. Um, that's always been my biggest dream probably. And so, yeah. So I think to, to enter into that space where we're like having trouble and confusion and all this stuff. Um, the hardest step is always the first, right? I feel like is (laughs) very true in life and it's no different when you're, um, having a hard time starting your family. And so for me, I mean, I do remember just that, you kind of have this moment of like, hey, who do we talk to? Like, who do we, and everyone's, you know, trying to share advice, but like, you're not sure. Cause at this point, like we had my parents who had walked this journey, but 
30 some years ago, you know? And so my mom's like, well, I did this. I don't know if that's the same. And so there's just a lot of lack of direction, I guess, on mm-hmm. where do you go once you've been con- trying to conceive for a year? Who do you talk to? Yeah. And so, yeah, I remember just calling a, a doctor's office that someone gave me the number for here in Grand Rapids. And, um, and yeah, just mustering up all the courage I could to say like, Hey, um, here's where we're at. Like we, I literally was, I remember saying like, I don't know if I should talk to you or if I, I'm sure I was just babbling to this poor girl on the the phone. Yeah. Just on the phone, like hi to this poor nurse. Just like, I don't know if you can help me or if who I should be talking to, but like, we've been trying to get pregnant for over a year and I just don't know where to go at this point. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, she pointed me in the right direction, but it, I think that call, I know I've talked to other women. It's hard. Like it's, you're kind of admitting to yourself and to like, I don't know, the medical professional on the other end, (laughs) but just, you know, like, Hey, yeah, we need help. That's hard. Yeah. And I think when we had chatted about this before, you know, this was a really raw moment for you Mm -hmm. um, that was unfamiliar. And yet you're talking to someone who that's very familiar. Yeah. And maybe yeah. what you had hoped for in the response, it was even very different right there. Yeah, it totally was. You kind of hope like they respond like, at least how my mom does, like, oh, sweetie, you know, like, we got this, we got you. And she was like, all right, well, what's your birthday? You know, and it was just like information immediately. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, did right. you not just hear me? Mm-hmm. But right, I mean, that's their, that's their job. Like mm-hmm. they, they hear this all the time. And I think you kind of have to get clinical at some point, but otherwise I, you'd probably just be a, a puddle all day, but um, but yeah, definitely not met with the empathy I expected, but, um, I think, yeah, that's kind of a part of the story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so what, what is this stretch like for you as her husband mm-hmm. and it's raw for you too. And yet you, you said you're wired differently. So what was this like for you, Austin? Yeah, I think, I guess two things come to mind. Number one is it just, it was obviously difficult for me initially to understand her perspective, just in like, you were the one making that phone call. Uh, like right away, you were the one actually going to doctor's appointments and, and being tested and, and kind of walking through all of the procedural things from a medical standpoint. And he couldn't go with me to a lot of them because yeah. of Yeah. And COVID, COVID really reasons. made that yeah. even more, yeah. more difficult for sure. And, and so I think, I think I really just admittedly didn't understand the depth of what you were going through, both mentally and physically. And I think what made that even more challenging is I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but um, I am not an emotional person. And usually if, if I feel any sense of like intense emotion, my instinct is to uh, run away from it and I feel like I hear a lot of men saying amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to assume Run. that all guys are like no, that, but, but, but I'm, many could maybe many right. probably yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. And, and so even that I think was just playing into our marriage because I would just, I would feel the weight of a negative pregnancy test or the weight of not productive news from a, a doctor. And you just experience wave after wave of, disappointment, like you said, Rachel. And, and Katie was, I mean, you were really struggling with that, but my gut was to take that and to just like push it aside. And, and so I think that really in the beginning created a disconnect 
And it just made us, it just made it challenging for me to understand what Katie was going through and, and for Katie to understand what I was going through. And, and so, yeah, it, it became a season of really trying to figure out, okay, here's how I, I would deal with this on my own accord, but how do we deal with this together? Mm -hmm. Like as husband and wife collectively, how do we grieve together? Mm -hmm. How do we be sad together? And how do we enter into this vulnerable space where I'm not, you know, I'm not just thinking about what I need to get through this. You know, Mm -hmm. we're, it's, it's just instinct to think, man, what, what can I do to love Katie? Well, this month, you know, and I think being okay with doing that messy, like, yeah. cause we like, we didn't know how to like, how do, how do you walk through infertility? Like, it's not like there's a book or like a writer, I don't know, a right way necessarily. But I think one thing that as we've just been reflecting on this journey, we saw that a key aspect of this was that we just entered in anyways. Like I know I, I'm the opposite. So I like, if I see an emotion that's not named, I like, run at it so hard with so much energy Mm -hmm. until we name it. And that's exhausting sometimes for both of us. But for me, that's my natural, like I need to name this. I need us to like talk about this because if it, you know, goes unsaid where he's like, I would like for it to go unsaid for a while. And so finding that in, in a very clumsy, messy way at first, and we're still learning. I mean, we still have Mm -hmm. a lot to learn, but just entering in knowing that like we're on the same team, we're for one another, like there's so much grace, but like, trying to find where each other is at and how we can, can deeply connect in a season that feels so easily like a place where we could disconnect kind of thing. Wow. What do you think about that, Kelly, of them being wired differently and needing to find a way to do this together? Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that we talk in the podcast and you guys are evidence of it, and that is almost all first marriages are polar opposites in personality And you guys are already illustrating that. So, for example, Austin, you said, you know, a little bit, yeah, I kind of want to run away from my emotions. Mm -hmm. And Katie literally just said, I like to run to them and name them. (laughs) Yes. And so I would guess, and I want you to maybe talk just a little bit about this in in the last couple of years of this journey. And that is, um, on that one element, I would guess there were times Katie, were you either directly or indirectly said to Austin, no, we're not running away from these emotions. And maybe that caused conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And and also connected to that question would be, um, what did God teach you or encourage you through this season mm-hmm. and grow you and heal you? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think... So to kind of touch on the the first part of that question, there were definitely seasons where, you know, our, our emotional approach that we just kind of talked about um, created some tension, created some, some really, um, yeah, tense moments. And, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to, to fess up to these because I feel like a lot of times it was my, my uh, fear of really stepping into those moments and, um, and not wanting to just understand the, the emotions that, that we were experiencing. Um, but yeah, I, I can think of many times where we'd be in the kitchen at night, just doing dishes and, you know, we're, we're talking about our days, but then there's just something that, that triggers the infertility conversation and like, bam, just like that, we're in it. 
And suddenly I'm, I'm hearing Katie processing all of these things that I haven't asked about in, in maybe months or weeks, um, however long. Um, and, and so it, it becomes clear to me like, man, we're just, I I've been missing out, you know, like I, I haven't been, uh, caring for your heart well and asking, you know, how are you feeling? You know, and another negative test, like, how is that sitting with you? You know? And so we were, yeah. And, and again, I, I feel like this is, this is me just kind of, uh, learning in those moments, but, um, yeah, I, I think there was just so much to process through together and, and I was just so unwilling to jump into that. And so it, it felt like every conversation we did have was, was a catch up conversation and trying to unpack just, uh, not just the day to day things that we were feeling and experiencing together, but, but trying to unpack months of something that you've been feeling and I haven't been asking about and well, that, that made it challenging. Yeah. And I think one way that the Lord really like entered into those moments though, cause yeah, we did have a lot of like, I would like have these pent up things like, cause I'd spent, I don't know, a month or two trying to be cool. Like just, he'll ask, you know, just whatever, I don't know, just trying to honestly, in my opinion, is putting like an unfair expectation on him of like, he'll figure it out when I want him to ask or what I want him to ask. And I think those things kind of came out. Like one thing that we've always said in our marriage is like, we want to always fight well, like, um, and so I feel like we try to, to bring in like the fruits of the spirit into our fighting even. <laughs> and so yeah. like, I feel like in those moments in the kitchen, right. Where these explosions just happen and we're both kind of left feeling alone and not seen and, and hurt and still though, like leaning in. And I think one of the things that the Lord taught us is, is a lot of that. Like when I, put these unfair expectations on him of expecting him to know how it feels going to these doctor's appointments alone or how it feels to, you know, be a woman on your cycle and how to, how it feels to not, you know, to have that pregnancy test alone. You know, it's like, I think there's so many things that can make the woman and in infertility feel like this victim and that you are alone. But I think I knew his heart was, he wants to enter into this and it's not fair of me to expect him to just know how. Okay. When he can't have that same experience. And I think vice versa, it, it showed him how much it means to me when he is curious about those things and asks um, to understand, you know, those things. And so we kind of found this like one, I think I really, the Lord really showed me like, man, when you hold these expectations over him, look how much this hurts him. And that, and you know, and same when I run from these feelings, I, I'm sure you would say Austin, like look how much it hurts her. And I, and so I think it just was again, that, did not do it perfectly, but just like trying to find that space to say like, okay, here's, you know, where we failed and I'm sorry. And here's where I want to grow. And, and yeah, how do we do that with month after month of disappointment? Well, and that's, I think that's the beautiful part of your story. Just that exchange there was really cool to see because there was no pointing of the finger at the other person, which often happens in a relationship. It was, you know, Austin, it was you owning what you had to own and Katie, what you had to own. And, mm-hmm. and that, and that's kind of one of the things that we're trying to draw out in these episodes with couples is that things are real. People mm-hmm. argue, couples argue, mm-hmm. and things aren't often real easy in a marriage or in life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as you said, you know, it can be messy. Mm-hmm. You know, you shared, um, you didn't know who to to talk with about this. Mm -hmm. Like, who do we share this with? And you were covering a lot of ground privately. 
But as you're navigating this as a couple, a lot of couples around you were sharing their good news that they were expecting. And mm-hmm. I would imagine many shower invites came your way. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was that like, that stretch like for you? And and then tell us about that that time when you decided to go more public. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first the first year you do, for us at least, we felt a little more protected because you're still, you know, it's like, oh, we've been trying for six months. That doesn't seem like that long, you know. Oh, eight months. That's still not that long, you know. Um, yeah, I think once it got to the, like, we're about to ask for help, we kind of started bringing my family in to it more. And, and this is a, I mean, pretty common, it wasn't hard to do that, I should say, because my parents couldn't have kids for about nine, 10 years. And so that's been talked about. And it's always kind of been this like question for my parents, at least like, I wonder like just what my experience would be. So, um, cause some of those things are hereditary. So I think to bring our family and families in even didn't feel that hard. Um, I think there have, you know, I think there's been moments as we've brought more people in. Um, but, but yeah, I think those initial, yeah, I don't know that initial year and a half with like shower invites, they just kind of got more and more stingy, <laughs> like with each one as time went by. Um, and I kind of, think that infertility is a wave. I mean, there are sometimes where it's deep and I'm like, I, if I see one more baby announcement, like I may need to be like, I don't know, get off social media, which I've done that, you know, mm-hmm. cause we're just so bombarded with, with information on there. But, but yeah, I think the, the shower invites and um, at first, you know, I would just kind of put on a brave face and go and, um, and there are still times, you know, where I do that. And I think that's the right thing to do. But I, I've also found, you know, safe people that I can say, because all this is a timing game, right? So it's like if the shower is on a day that something really negative has happened in our story, like I know that I can be honest with some friends and I've had to miss showers that, you know, makes me sad to think about. But I I knew that if I, I don't know, it's like those times where it's like, I know if I show up, I'm going to be such a mess mm-hmm. and it'll take away actually from mm-hmm. this friend, you know? And, and I would text them and explain and man, God has been good to bring such kind friends into our lives and into our circles in this season um, to really understand, even if they haven't walked this road. And so, yeah, so I think, um, and then going public, public, like social media, because I'm very open with our story on there. Um, yeah, I think that was just kind of a, probably a little therapeutic for me, but we talked mm-hmm. about it and I just was kind of like, I'd, I'd been kind of growing a business at the time on there. And I was like, is this cool if I start sharing about this more? Like I, because I just, we felt so alone. I'm like, I know we're not the only ones going through this. And so um, I believe in the power of story and I believe in the power of sharing and vulnerability. And so I had no problem and I'm like, well, if mm-hmm. I'm okay being vulnerable. Maybe it'll help someone who's not as comfortable going That's there. Cool. So, yeah. So where that was helpful to you. And so you, you, were pretty open about the struggle and even like things you were personally wrestling with. And that resonated with people. Yeah. Um, it sounds like if I recall, you shared that there was quite a response to that. Yeah. What did the response to that look like? Yeah. Oh man. I mean, so much good, like so much, um, support and love. And I think, um, you know, I think the initial, and it's so funny. I, I vulnerability is so funny in this way. It's like, once you share, then it's like, you don't realize you have these expectations of how you want people to respond. And then when they don't, you're like, Oh, and you have this reaction that you're like, wait, but I did this. Like (laughs) I shared this and now I'm feeling weird about their response or whatever. So 
there's a lot of growing up, I think for me in that of like realizing just like maturing, you know, of, of seeing like, okay, I'm, I'm sharing this. I cannot have an expectation of how they respond or hold this perfect response over them. Because, you know, even in the midst of, um, of all the good and all the support, which I can look back on now and say, I know in the moment, I think I was so overwhelmed with, with the response, um, that some of it felt like pity, which spoke to my insecurities. You know, it's like, I think this insecurity of being childless that I was carrying. And it's like, it really spoke to some of those. And I'm like, don't pity me when it's like, they were just being kind. Like they were literally just saying they're praying for us or something, you know, and I would take it as this in this sharp way. And so the Lord's done a lot of work in my heart to soften that. But, um, but yeah. And then a lot of people, I didn't expect people to share their story with me. And that was a whole nother level of like, I can't carry yours and mine (laughs) (laughs) at first. And like I said, I feel Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, three years in now it's like three and a half. It's I've learned a lot, but well, and Austin was on board for, you know, going more public with this. Yeah. I would imagine some conversations came your way as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which was crazy because I am, am not as active on social media. I am not active at all on no. social media. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> and, and so I definitely wasn't getting the same kind of uh, immersion in those conversations, but yeah, it, it was pretty incredible to see what that was doing for me. And I think inadvertently that kind of set up some really cool moments and some really cool conversations with um, people work at church, you know, just out and about. And so, yeah, it, it became really common for me to just get, you know, someone from work would come up and say, hey, you know, I saw um, I saw that Katie shared a little bit about what's going on with you guys. Like, just want to let you know we're praying for you. Mm-hmm. Um, want to check in, how you doing? And And I think... I think it's such a cool moment to see the power of the church mm-hmm. in, in that way. And, you know, even if it's not just this super deep conversation, yeah. right. It's, it's this moment where you can see uh, just the caring nature of God and, and reaching out through that, that one person in that moment saying, Hey, you're loved, you're cared for, we're mm-hmm. praying for you. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like I got to experience it in that way. That's cool. So yeah. you've been on this infertility journey how long now? Three and a half years. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of get to the close of our time together with really focus on focusing on what is God teaching you on this journey? Hmm. Yeah, I think for me, something that's been huge is um, control. Mm. And, yeah. and so there there have been so many moments in this three and a half year journey where you know, we, we sit down and talk and you just try to plot it out, right? You say, okay, if we just, if we just get these answers from the doctor, if we just tweak this part of our, of our health, mm-hmm. you know, if we just do all of these things the right way, then, then we'll be successful. Then we'll be able to start our family. And, and I just think that's, that's such a skewed view of uh, one, just what will actually bring about success, but mm-hmm. two, like, who God is and, and expecting that from God. Right. And, and so I think, yeah, I, I shared this the other day, but one of my favorite passages of scripture growing up was second uh, Corinthians, just that, that line in reading, like God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I, I have read that line so many times and thought, man, how crazy is it that for me and in, in my 
uh, inability to deal with emotions. And, and I would say our culture as a whole, we just hate feeling weak. We hate feeling vulnerable. We hate, you know, feeling the, the ickiness of, of, of that. And, and so I think so many people like myself, that's why we run from those moments. That's why we don't lean into it. And, and I think there've just been these really uh, gracious moments from God uh, just in, in quiet time or wherever it may be, but um, just encouraging me to, to give up that control. And so, and so going back to that line in second Corinthians, it's like, man, God's doing his best work in my weakness. Mm-hmm. And so what does it look like to, to trust that and to just open my hands and say, like, God, this situation, this season is yours. Do your best work in, in my moment of weakness in my moment. And in this season of disappointment and struggle, like do your best work, God. And so I, I think that's, that's really what the Lord has taught me in this season is just to relinquish that control and, and surrender that to him. So that's kind of beautiful, Austin, while you were sharing <laughs> listeners, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's like rolling thunder mm-hmm. right over us <laughs> <laughs> and while you were sharing that. Um, Katie, how about you? Yeah. Um, so many things. Uh, I'll try to just pick a couple, but I think, yeah, I, I feel like the Lord has just been so, uh, kind and faithful. I mean, to take something that I think has probably been the hardest thing that we've ever walked through um, and to bring anything good, you know, from us or from it um, is really humbling. But I think that, um, man, for me, you know, one of the things, and I've said this is like every every month, like fertility is like grieving every month and um, or infertility. And so often, you know, because I have shared, I get to the privilege of walking with a lot of women um, and hold this story with them. And um, a lot of become friends. And I know a lot of times we talk about like, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to get my hopes up. And cause you do kind of become jaded after a while. Sometimes it's like, why even care? Like <laughs> why even care about this? And, um, and that challenges so many views of, of God, I think. And it challenges a lot of views of um, his love for us and his like, just his involvement in your life. Um, you know, I, and so to speak to the hopes up thing, I think that, um, man, I've really had to surrender. I think just what I thought hope was what I thought hopes are and really examine in my own heart, like, where am I placing my hope? Because Mm -hmm. I think in this, you can so easily be placed in just a pregnancy test. (laughs) It can be placed in growing your family. It can be placed in getting what you want. And, I think I had to really let God strip away all those things to say like, no, no, I am your hope. Like, um, I love worship. I love singing. And that's been such a, um, comfort and honestly like strength for me in this season and throughout my life. But especially this, it's been like a legit lifeline and, um, just singing songs over myself over and over and over in these dark times of like, songs like hope has a name and his name is Jesus, like believing that, like singing it till I believe it essentially. Wow. And I think having those moments with God to say like, I don't feel hopeful. Like I don't feel, you know, it's like when doctors tell you like, we don't know what's wrong with you. Um, it's hard to feel hopeful, sure. but to say like, but my hope is not in a doctor. My hope is not in a diagnosis. Even um, my hope is in Jesus and him alone. And even in those spaces where I want to question his goodness towards me because we don't have a baby yet. And, um, I can, I, I feel like he's just 
brought me to this place where I can look to his cross and say, you've been good. Like, I don't have to like, I mean, one, you've been faithful and good all my life, but like, even if I don't see that right now, even if my grief is too foggy, right? Like I can look to the cross and see that you're good and that everything I ever need is truly in you because you have bought this eternal love for me. And, um, and so I think that, man, God is just teaching me. I think often it's easy to think like, man, we're just not blessed. Like we're just not as blessed as some of his other kids. And maybe we're doing something wrong or maybe, okay. you know, something in me, I need to surrender fully or whatever. And no, 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 I, I don't, think that's it. I don't think God is just withholding this, like waiting for us to do this thing, right? Like to do something that pleases him just, you know, oh, that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that um, that's kind of what I held, the belief I held at first. And now to see like, no, like, yeah, to, I think just have the courage to, and and the humility to like look at my life as it is and to say, if I, if nothing ever changed, like I'm still so blessed and I'm still so loved and worthy and and just not believing these lies of like, I'm behind or I'm broken or I'm somehow lesser than in God's eyes. But like, yeah, because infertility speaks so many lies over you. I think especially as, I don't want to say especially as a woman, but I think as, as a couple, like mm-hmm. you really, the enemy really tries to come in and speak some ugly things about your identity. And so I think really fighting for that ground of who you are in Jesus is essential. I mean, essential. Thank you so much for inviting us into that part of this conversation. You know, I believe and and Kelly believes that it's really in these hard places where God does his best work and he is doing a good work in you and through you. And just want to thank you. Yeah. 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 This has been an amazing, every time I do these, uh, interviews or these episodes with couples, I'm always surprised, taken aback, learned something for myself. And uh, I just want to say, Katie, Austin, thank you so much for sharing your story. And um, so with that, uh, we uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. And remember, go rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform, leave a comment, and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.